Go ahead and make your way to your seats. There's been um, before service, so today's kind of the wrap-up of a series. We've also got truck or treat. So I told everybody my message today is going to be shorter. There was wagering happening before the service as to whether or not that would happen. I think, the, uh, I think the, that, that, that now has closed. The betting window has closed. You can no longer wager. Um, and I also need someone to remind me, take the crocodiles out of our baptistry. We thought they were supposed to go in there. Um, hey, a uh, couple, couple like quick housekeeping things for us before we dive in this morning. Uh, number one, trunk or treat. Uh, if you are, um, if you're coming, if you are hosting a trunk or a doorway today, or if you're volunteering with trunk or treat at all, we've got a parking pa- space for you. You need to park at the top of the hill. I know it's raining. I know it's gross, but we want to leave our parking lot down here uh, open for all of our guests that are coming. So you can see up there, if you just go up the hill, right down Pinion Drive in between Adventure and Watson's, there are parking spaces that we actually pay for up there. Um, So you feel free to park there. Um, That's where you're supposed to park. Um, And, you know, if you don't, uh, Luke Turner will tow your car. Um, And Jesus will be disappointed. So... Um, I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, the other, the other quick thing is, as we're, we are wrapping up, we've been in the series called a house on fire for the last, uh, couple months or so next week, we are starting a brand new series called supernatural. Uh, well, we are going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, which is a huge part of the gospel. It's a huge part of this with God life that we talk about at Adventure. But it's something that in the church we don't really talk about much, right? The Holy Spirit is something that is kind of hard to understand. It's difficult to explain. And so because it's hard to understand at times and difficult to explain, we just kind of don't talk about it. Well, we're going to talk about it uh, for a handful of weeks in November. Super excited uh, to kind of unpack the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, how the Holy Spirit works in our lives, what it does Uh, in us and through us, and ultimately what Jesus' plan uh, was from the beginning of time, right, for the Holy Spirit, the presence of God to live within us. Uh, That's what we're going to be talking about starting next Sunday. So come back for that. It's going to be awesome. I'm super stoked uh, for that. So let me do this. Let me pray for us, and then we are going to dive in. Jesus, we love you this morning, and and we are just grateful. We're grateful that we can come into a place uh, like Adventure, um, Father, and uh, hear stories about 30,000 kids in Ghana, in Bible clubs, hearing the truth of the gospel, learning what it means to to be loved unconditionally by a heavenly father. Lord, that is incredible to hear how your word uh, is spreading across the globe, not just in our lives, not just in our town, not just in our city, our communities, but all around the world. And so, Lord, we we just want to say thank you and give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor uh, for what you're doing in the lives of people. Lord, you are bringing back a generation. Lord, you 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 are pouring revival into our hearts. Uh, Lord, things that were dead are becoming alive again. Uh, and Lord, we, we give you all the praise for that. Lord, you are in the business of resurrecting. Uh, and so, God, we just praise you for that. Uh, Lord, as we dive into your word today, as we put a, a stamp on this series, uh, God, we've been talking about marriages and parenting and families and relationships. God, we pray again today that, that, that you would open our eyes to what you want to teach us. You would open our ears so we could hear your truth and you would soften our hearts that maybe there is a better way to do this life thing uh, when, when it comes to trusting you. Uh, Lord, that you've got a plan for us. You have desires for us. You have wants for us. And they're better than anything we can imagine. Uh, so Jesus, we love you. We pray all this in your name. Everybody said? Amen. Like I said, for the last couple months, we have been digging into and we've been unpacking this, this parable metaphor thing that, that Jesus used to help us kind of wrap our brains around a critical choice that we have to make when it comes to how we live our lives. 
right? So there's this, there's this sermon that Jesus gave in his ministry. It's his most famous sermon. It's called the, the Sermon on the Mount. It takes place in, in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's all this, this sermon where Jesus stands out on a hillside and preaches to a group of people. Most of those people belong to a class, a caste system, right? A class of people back in Jesus' day called the Anoim. Right? It's a Hebrew word that means throwaway people. They, they were throwaway people. They were people who were sick. They were poor. They, they, they were afflicted. They were addicted. They, these were people whose lives were broken. And so the way the world kind of looked at them, they said, well, they're just kind of throwaway people. They're, they're too messy. They're too broken. They're, they're too far gone. There's no hope for, for them. But yet Jesus spends this afternoon teaching and preaching to them, feeding them, caring for them, turning them towards his truth, right? Saying, listen, I know the world calls you the Anoim, but I call you the blessed ones. That's what the Beatitudes mean. That's kind of how Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount with these things called the Beatitudes. The word Beatitude literally means blessed ones. So Jesus changes their identity from those who are the garbage people to the blessed ones, the throwaway people to the ones that he loves. And, and in this Sermon on the Mount... Jesus covers all kinds of things that are relevant to us, right? He, he talks about things like anger, how to deal with conflict. He talks about parenting. He talks about divorce. He talks about adultery. He talks about lust. He talks about anxiety and worry. All these things that, that we have to face and maybe some of us are facing in this room even this morning. Jesus talks about this. And Jesus, what, the way he closes this, this sermon, the way he kind of lands the plane, right, as we say here at Adventure, he, he compares our lives to houses. And here's why, right? It makes a ton of sense, right? We, we said this early on in this series that, that our houses, when you think about where you live, whether it's a freestanding house in a neighborhood or it's an apartment or a patio home or, or whatever, wh- wherever, like that roof that's over your head, our houses, it's more than just brick and mortar, right? It's more than just studs and drywall. It's more than just a building, right? It's not just a house. It's home, whatever that may look like for you. Right? It's it's home. It's not just a structure. It's 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 you know, home is where we run to. Home is where we keep what matters most to us. We keep that stuff at home. Home is usually where we start our day. Home is usually where we come back to at the end of our day. And we said this at the beginning of the series, simply put, our homes are what we build our lives around. Like our lives kind of revolve around home. A lot of times we look for jobs and things like that that are close to our home. The commute isn't too long. We, we look for, for grocery stores, things like that, that are close to our home. Like we want to live close to, we, we need these things to be close to our home. Why? Because that's kind of where our lives, that's what our lives revolve around. It's what they're built on. Our homes are an outward expression and a representation of our lives. And so we've been asking this question. It's a loaded question, Right? What kind of shape is your house in? And we start thinking about house. When you hear the word house, think my life. Like, what kind of shape is my life in? What words would you use to describe your home? What words would you use to describe your life? How would you describe your life? How would you describe that? What kind of shape is your life in? If you look at the, the, the words and the phrases that are typically used to describe what, what is normal in, in our culture when it comes to our homes, when it comes to our lives, when it comes to things like marriage and family and parenting and, and relationships, here's what you'll find, right? These, were the most, these are the most often used words to describe and define marriages, families, parenting, and, and relationships, right? You can Google this. Number one was fell apart. My, my marriage fell apart. My family fell apart, broke up. We aren't together anymore, right? Damaged, irreparable, irreconcilable. 
broken, fragile, insecure, weak, distant, detached, distracted, angry, unsafe, untrusting, betrayed. These are the most often used words right now in our culture to define or describe the state of our homes, the state of our lives, our marriages, our relationships, our our parenting. And so what happens is this, it leads us to kind of declare these statements over ourselves, over our marriages, over our kids, over our families and our relationships. We are, these, these kind of declarative statements sound like this. As for me in my house, as for me in my life, it's just too late for us. It's too late. We're too broken, too messy. We're too far gone. It's too late. No one can save us. No one can save me. Or maybe it's this. As for me in, in my house, as for me in my life, I wish I'd done things differently. I wish things if I could go back and do it all over again, right, I, I would do it different. Or maybe for some of us it's like this. As for me in my house, as for me in my life, if I could do it all over again, I wouldn't make the same mistakes. I wouldn't, I wouldn't make the same mistakes that I made. I, I would go back and I would do it all over again. I would change some of the things that I did so that my life wouldn't be in the shape and condition it's in and now. And so we talked about this. This is where a lot of us maybe find ourselves, When it comes to marriages, when it comes to family, when it comes to parenting, when it comes to our relationships, whether you are single, divorced, married, whatever, it doesn't matter whether you're a student, a child, a kid, that makes no difference. Some of us find ourselves in these places. As for me in my house, as for me in my life, it looks like this. And I don't know that I can ever fix it. I don't know that I could ever rebuild it. I don't know that I could ever repair it. It seems too broken. But then we talked about this. Jesus comes along and he preaches this this message that went like this. Repent and believe, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which means it's here, it's now. And here's, we we unpack this verse every week in this series, right? We kind of reminded ourselves of what this means, and and here's what it means. Jesus' kind of core teaching, repent and believe, for the kingdom of heaven is now, means this. No one's too, too broken, no one's too messy, no one's too far gone, and it's not too late to reconsider. That's what the word repent literally means to change direction, right? That's a churchy word that we hear gets tossed around at church a lot. The word repent literally means just change direction, right? It means this, that you you can rethink. You can rethink the strategy that you're using to to run your life. You can reconsider the way that, that you deal with conflict, that you deal with anger. You can rethink, you can rework, right? The strategy for how you live. And here's why. Because Jesus makes it possible. That's the only one that could do that, right? I I think about my past, my life, right? Those kinds of things, the things that I've gone through, the things that my family has gone through, right? The only reason we could be where we are is because Jesus makes it possible for anyone and everyone to live every moment of our lives connected to a God that loves you, which I know we hear that a lot at church, but also a God that likes you. That might be new for some of us. Like we hear all the time, well, God loves you. It's like the Sunday school answer, right? We've heard it since we were kids. What we don't hear a lot is that God, God loves us, but he also likes us. He likes you. He desires you. He seeks you out. And God wants his unique goodness for your life. And like I said, this is something that we call uh, the with God life here at Adventure. We call this life that God desires for us to live. We call it the with God life. It is a life that, that you and I live in and through the withness and the withinness, the Holy Spirit, right? We live this life with the witness, withness and, and withinness of God. We live a life with God. God with us and God within us. 
And here's how Jesus unpacked this, right? Here's this kind of metaphor that he used. In Matthew 7, as he's wrapping up his sermon, he says this, everyone, and just so you know what the word everyone means, it means everyone. Because I know you you can listen to what I just said. You can sit here in this room and, and you think about the condition of your house. You think about the condition of your life and you go, well, everyone might be most people in this room, Brad, but it's not me. And Jesus would argue with you and you don't want to argue with him, right? He would say, no, everyone means everyone. Yes, you. It means you too. Everyone then who hears these words of mine, Jesus says, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And we, we shared this a couple weeks ago too, that, that when we read rock, you know, you think like boulder, right? You think like something like a big rock. See, the audience that Jesus was preaching to, kind of this Near East, ancient Near East audience, when they would have heard the word rock, they would have heard, they would have thought mountaintop. They would have thought on the summit of a mountain somewhere. And the reason that they would have thought that when they heard the word rock is because most people back in Jesus' day, they believed that, that God lived on a mountaintop, right? That that's where the gods were, right? That, that, that these gods lived up on the mountaintop, including the one true God, Yahweh, lives up on a mountaintop. Jesus says, you'll be like a wise person who builds your house on a mountaintop, which means this, you live where God lives, You exist where God meets with his people. You exist in a place. You live your life with God. You build your life with God. That's what it means to build your life on the rock. And then Jesus says this. Here's what this looks like. Here's what a life built with God looks like. The rains fall and the floods come and the winds blow and they beat on that house, but it did not fall. Here's what this means. A with-God marriage, a with-God family, with-God parenting, with-God relationships, kids, with-God relationships with your parents. It's not a storm and fire-free life. Jesus does not promise us a life without storms and without fires, right? He says this, get it, get it. I mean, it's like he, he doesn't say, well, maybe the rains will come. Well, maybe the, the winds will blow. Maybe, the, no, he says, no, no, there's, not even, there's no, not even any qualifiers. It's like, when the rains, it's coming. There will be a storm, there will be a fire, there will be a flood, there will be wind, right, that, that metaphorically hits your life. You will find yourself in a storm. I had a, a, a pastor and a mentor used to tell me that, that life is just a series of storms. You're either in one, coming out of one, or getting ready to go in one, right? That's kind of what life is like. And Jesus says, listen, This life, this with God life is not storm and fire free, it's storm and fire proof. Why? Because Jesus says it's been founded on the rock. Your life, the foundation of your life is with God. And here's what this means. Because of what Jesus makes possible, you and I in our daily lives can experience the truest and realest forms of peace, abundance, security, and safety on this side of heaven. Right? Peace doesn't mean absence of conflict. Peace means completeness or wholeness. Abundance isn't necessarily abundance of resources, but it, it's an abundance of joy. Joy is not an emotion. Joy is a mindset. Right? It's, it's, it's security in our identity, in who we are. It's security, that the fact that we have a father that loves us, right? And it's safety from what? Sin and death. You can be free from the fear of, of sin and death. You are safe. You are saved. And you can experience that on this side of heaven, right? I know a lot of us, maybe myself included, we grew up hearing this word that like, you know, it's like 
you, you trust Jesus, and, and one day you'll get to go to heaven, but, but in the meantime, say, suck it up, buttercup, right? Like, just deal with it. One of these days, it's going to be great, but until then, in the meantime, you're going to have to kind of struggle through life. That's not what Jesus says. That's not what the Bible teaches. In fact, in John 10, Jesus says this, I came so that you could have life now and have it to the full. But there's another side to this coin, right? Jesus says this, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish person who built his house on the sand. And the same thing, right? It's not a matter of if, it's, it's when. The rain falls, the floods come, the winds blow. They beat against that life, that house, and it falls. Which means this, it was typical. It was normal. It was average. It's just like everybody else, just like every other marriage, just like every other relationship, just like every other family. At some point, things get difficult and it all falls apart. And Jesus says on that side of the coin, great was the fall of it, meaning it doesn't just affect you, it affects everybody connected to you. When your life blows up, it has a blast radius and there is collateral damage. But what we learn from Jesus and what we've seen in and through his life and in his ministry is the kind of life that he offers is this kind of kingdom life. It's a, it's a new life. It's possible, Jesus says, to live this way now. You don't have to wait till you die. You, you can live this way now. And something that we say a lot here at Adventure, and really it's because Jesus says it, is you, you have two deals on the table when it comes to your life. Jesus makes it really simple. Deal number one is you can take Jesus up on his offer to repent and believe. Right? We said the word repent means to, to, to turn away from and also at the same time turn towards something. Right, So you're turning away from an old way of life and turning towards a new one. And when Jesus says believe, what we talk about believe, that, that word believe in, in scripture literally means confidence, means faith. When we talk about who we have confidence in or what we believe in, it's, it's really at the end of the day for us, what, what I believe in or who I believe in is, is who I think will best take care of me and provide what I need. And Jesus says he could do that better than anybody else. All we have to do is have confidence in him, to believe in him. Because when we have faith, we will also be faithful, right? Because how we live our lives is based on who or what we believe in, right? We'll build our lives around those things. So faith and faithfulness go together. So, so when we take Jesus up on this offer, it means you and I, we can rethink our choice of who or what we've built our lives on. And this doesn't matter if your life is, you feel like your life right now is, is solid or your life is like a house of cards or your life is a wreck. Jesus says you can rethink. Maybe you've chosen to build your life on something or someone else. Jesus says you can rethink that. You can rework who or what you allow to kind of define the, the roles and responsibilities in your life. You can reconsider what you've allowed to set your values and priorities. The thing you say is most, most valuable and most important. Because of Jesus, and this has been the baseline, this has been the big idea for, for this whole series, right? And if you walk, walk out today learning nothing else, hang on to this. Because of Jesus, it is not too late to change the direction of your life. And this applies to how you raise your kids. This applies to how you operate as a family. You can repent, turn away from normal, average, and typical, and turn towards Jesus. And take him up on his plan. How to rework your life. Take deal number one. And what we did over the last few weeks is we kind of pressed further into Jesus' teaching. We took this whole metaphor of life as a house and, and kind of blew it apart and looked at the individual chunks and rooms and parts and pieces that, that go into a house. And we started with the foundation. 
So taking Jesus up on deal number one means you can rebuild your life on a new foundation. The mission statement of your house can change. The why, like why does your family exist? Like beyond just trying to, to, to get through the day, the week, and survive another season, why does your family, your family, by, by building your life on a new foundation, you can find new purpose. The why, the why that you exist, why are you, why are you in the space that God has put you in? You can find a new front door. We talked about the front door being, being the thing that provides and protects those that are inside your home, that that is the primary but not sole role of the man in the house, the husband, the father. You can step into a new identity, men, as the, as the, the primary provider and protector in your home. We talked about, for women, we can be the, the, the thermostats, right? The, the, the regulators of the atmosphere and environment, right? He might be the front door. He might be protecting the house, but the house is yours, right? You're, you're the primary, not sole, person that's responsible for regulating that environment, for leading the spiritual environment in your house, your kids' rooms. They may be all over the place right now. They may be messy, but what the Bible tells us is that in those rooms, we can begin to teach our kids diligently to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. We talked about the bedroom and what we are looking for and what we are chasing after is intimacy, which is this naked and yet without shame kind of life. We talked about sexuality and how it's not just a physical act. It's the mingling of souls. It's spiritual. It's emotional. And it was God's idea. Last week, Rick talked about the guest room. And he asked us this question to me. How, how is your life arranged right now in order to care for somebody other than yourself? How is your life? Do you have space? Is there a guest room in your house where you can take care of someone in need? Does that space exist in your life? We talked about two home invaders that want to bust into our house and burn it down from the inside out. And those, those home invaders are pride and apathy. Right? Jesus says you can begin to guard yourself and those in your home against pride and apathy. But Jesus says that all requires doing more than just listening to Jesus. We have a role to play in this. We have to do what he says. Jesus says those who hear these words and do something with them. That's going to change your life. Here's the truth, right? It won't make one bit of difference in your life if you hear, believe, and even agree with what Jesus says is a better way to live your life if you don't actually put into practice how he's telling you to live. It won't, nothing will change. If you attend another church service, hang out here, listen to a message, sing some songs, and go out and go, well, that was nice. If you don't actually put, it, put any of this stuff into practice, nothing, will, it won't make a bit of, you, and you can agree with it. You can say, yeah, I believe that's better. Yes, I believe in Jesus. I believe what he says is better. I agree with what he says when it comes, that you can agree with it. You can believe in it. You can believe it's true. But if you don't do anything about it, nothing will change. And that's where we find deal number two. Deal number two is this, keep trying to run your own life. Keep trying to run your life yourself, which sounds appealing at first. I've done this. I still do this. I do this all the time, right? I look at God and go, hey, I, yeah, I know you created this thing. Life was your idea, but I think I can do it better than you, right? And it's, it's appealing, right? There's a part of us that say, hey, I'll, I'll do what I want. I can run my life the way I want when it comes to my marriage, when it comes to intimacy, when it comes to my family, parenting, relationships. I get to call the shots. That sounds kind of nice. I'll be in charge. And again, it's, it's an easy idea to kind of start to like the thought of that. 
But again, I, I started thinking about this this week was, I think about those times in my life when I looked at God and said, hey, let me drive, right? Why, why, don't, you, why don't you just hop over? Why don't you hop in the back seat, right? I know where we're going. I'll get us there. I thought about those moments in my life, and if I was honest with myself, maybe for some of us right now, if you're honest with yourself, if that's been you, how's that really working out for you? Are you experiencing things like peace and joy and safety and security and abundance? Or is it the opposite? Conflict and tension and insecurity and doubt and fear. Do you really feel those things? Do you feel safe? Do you feel secure? Does the foundation in your life feel solid or does it feel more like sand? Does your life feel like it would hold up against fires and storms or would it fall apart again? Because most of us that we've tried to snatch control of our lives, our life's already fallen apart once. We've tried to rebuild it. It's just a matter of time before it happens again. And so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to end this series like this. This isn't kind of a sit and listen Sunday, right? This is an opportunity for us to respond here and now today. And I know some of us, maybe you're stepping in to the church for the first time. That's okay. If you want to respond today, you can do that, right? There's no, kind of, there's no conditions on who can do this. And what we're going to do is we're going to throw it all the way back to the Old Testament. And, and we've been reading and referencing a couple of different stories throughout this series. Except this time we're not just going to read it, we're going to do it. So let me kind of explain what we're going to do. See, the, the, the first time, if you go back in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, the first time that the Israelites, you know, the people that were led out of captivity by Moses, like part of the Red Sea, all that kind of really cool stuff, the first time they attempted to cross into the promised land, they messed things up. They did what a lot of us do. They tried to snatch control of their life away from God. And God said, here's the deal. You messed this up pretty royally. You're going to have to wander for 40 years in this desert before you get to try again. And when the time came for them to try again, Moses, who had been their leader, was dying. And he handed over leadership to Joshua. But before Moses handed over leadership to Joshua, he made sure that the Israelites understood there's two deals on the table. When it comes to starting this life in the promised land that God is going to provide to you, and anything other than deal number one is only going to lead to hardship and suffering and pain. So, so Moses, in Deuteronomy 6, he says this. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. If you want to know what it looks like to, to live this with God life, to build your house on the rock, here's how you do it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. He says, these commandments that I give to you today, are, they're to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, when you go to carpool, when you go to soccer practice, those kinds of things. He says, tie them on symbols, tie, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now you fast forward. Moses passes away. He names Joshua as the next leader. Fast forward a handful of years to, to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua, who has taken over from, he's taken over leading after Moses has died. Now Joshua is near the end of his life. And like Moses, Joshua has this kind of line in the sand moment where he brings these two deals on the table back up again. Joshua 24, starting at verse 14, he says this. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Fear doesn't mean to be afraid. It means to hold in reverence and awe, right? To believe in. It says, throw away the gods that your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Repent and believe. And some of us, I, I love these verses. One of the things I love about this is some of us, we've been caught in this cycle of generational sin. 
right? The, the thing in our lives, the, the thing that we have to deal with, the sin struggle that we have, it was the same as our parents. It was the same our mom or our dad or our grandmother, our grand, all, all the way down the line. Great, great, like they all struggled with this. And we're all stuck in this cycle of addiction or sin or whatever it may be. Joshua says, you, you can break that cycle. You can be the one that breaks that cycle. You don't have to do the things that your ancestors did. He says this, but but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, if you don't want to follow God, then make a choice. And we said, you can't sit on the fence. You can't ride two horses with one rear end, right? You can't do that, right? You have to choose for yourself this day whom you're going to serve. Choose which deal you want when it comes to how you plan on building. Go for it. You can take Jesus up on his deal or not. Just make a choice. Joshua says, whether it's the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living, he says, listen, you can't not choose. Not choosing is still choosing. But here's what Joshua says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Now, here's what I want us to do. I want us to check out how the people respond a few verses down from this. The people says this, the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord. This is what we're going to do. We're going with deal number one. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord. Make that choice. He keeps coming back to this again. Repent and believe. Take God up. Take Jesus up on his offer. And the people say, we'll serve the Lord. We'll serve the Lord our God and we will obey him. Obedience is the love language of a father. Obedience isn't just following orders. Obedience says, I trust you and love you enough to do what you say because I know you love me. It says, on this day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them the decrees and the laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up under an oak tree near the holy place of the Lord. So it was one of those things that Joshua said, like, we're not just going to, like, have this cool moment and then walk away. We're going to do some things to remember this by. We're going to put our names on it. We're going to sign our names to this. And then we're going to put those on a rock for everybody to see. Every time you pass by this rock, you'll remember, in this moment, we chose deal number one. When the rains come and the floods come and the winds come and the fires and the storms hit your life, you'll remember what your life is built on. And so today, church, we have the opportunity to renew our covenant as families, as spouses, as parents, as kids. If you're single, young, old, divorced, married, it makes no difference. This is an open call, an open opportunity for all to declare a new from now on with God life. That's what Jesus lets you do. Doesn't matter, you might have screwed up royally last night or this morning on your way to church. Jesus says, listen, because of me, you you can have a from now on moment. It doesn't have to be this way. Joshua used a, a stone and a book to record people's names, right? To help people remember. We don't have a stone, but what we have is this. We have this board up here. And here's how this is gonna work. We've given you the opportunity every week in the series, we've landed with this kind of fill in the blank. As for me and my house, we will. Today, we're going to give you a chance to, to make that statement. You get to do it for real, not just think about it, not just talk about it. And you get to do it with your family. If your family's here, it's Family Worship Sunday, which means our K through five kids are in the room with us. You can bring them down. You can make this as for me and my house statement together today. And maybe as you were coming in today, maybe it was this. As for me and my house, we're angry. As for me and my house, we're disappointed. We're divided. We're broken. We're hurting. Today, all that can change. When you're ready, the band's going to play. We're going to worship. 
And you can come down here up front. We've got Sharpies and we've got these, these pieces of paper. There's two houses and two blanks to fill in. One, you fill in the same word on each one. You tear it in half, put one on the board. You take the one home, you put it on your fridge. You put it, like, like Moses said, on the doorpost going out to the garage. It could be like that thing a lot of football teams do. They slap a sign as they go out, right? It's like, hey, I remember, as for me in my house, I'm built on this. I'm built on Jesus. We're built on his word. What he says is true. It can be that reminder of who ultimately at the end of the day you are, who you belong to. So again, you can come out, come down, you, you fill this out, you, you tear it in half, put one on the board, take one home. And this will become the monument for us to remember, the altar that we remember who we decided today to build our lives on. And if you want to spend time down here or at the foot of the cross, you can, praying together, worshiping together as a family, as a couple, as someone, if you're single, right, it makes no difference. This is an opportunity for you to make that declaration. When it comes to my life, this is how I'll live. Because we live in a world today that is so wishy-washy. We live in a world today that is so unclear. We live in a world today that just kind of chases after all kinds of stuff, and we don't have to do that. We can chase after the one true God. We can chase after his son, the savior of humanity, and we can do that with the presence of God living within us. We just have to make that choice. So I'm gonna pray for us. The band's gonna play, and you're gonna have all the time you need to come up here and take part in saying, as for me in my house, this is how we'll live. There's markers, there's sheets, there's tape here. Let's make a monument, folks. Let's make a, make a declarative statement that as for me in my house, as for this church, this is what our lives will be built on. And I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna read straight from scripture. So bow your heads with me, let's pray. Hear, O Adventure Church, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. You're to impress them on your children. And you're to talk about them when you sit at home, when you eat around the dinner table, in carpool lines, to and from practice, on the couch, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Remember these. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Choose this day, church, to repent and believe. To build your houses, to build your lives on the rock of Jesus' word. Not merely listening, but taking action. Declare today, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God, this is our desire. This is our heartbeat. Our heartbeat is for you because we know your heartbeat is for us. We pray all this in your name. Amen.